0: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Transformation Talks. We are thrilled today to get some time to focus on how to submit. A super stellar NISTS proposal for the upcoming 2022 NIST conference in St. Louis on February 2nd to 4th and online February 23rd to 24th. We are here today not only with Emily Critchell from NISTS, who's really, let's face it, the hero in charge of all things conference programming, which means the call for proposals, the proposal review process, scheduling the conference sessions, communications, I mean, really, truly the inside scoop. We're also joined today by Vero Montoya, who's the current HSI director at Berkeley City College. And she was previously the interim director and transfer student success activity director at California State University Channel Island. We also have with us today Tommy McMakin, who's the Asset Scholars and Scholar Research Coordinator at CSU Channel Islands, both of whom are returning guests. Woo woo! Yay! Uh, I'll be sure to link your other episode that you all did about the asset program in the program notes of this episode so folks can listen to that. And also joining us is Monica Rivas, who's the Associate Director of Academic Advising at CSU Channel Island. And all of these incredible women here, uh, they've presented at NISTS 2021 for the first time last year, and virtually no less. So seriously, big-time experts to give us a little bit of insight into the Proposal process what it 's all about, kind of take some of the some of the stress out of it. Give us the real deal the real life examples um, and answer some questions that you might have about submitting so if you are doing great activities and research and programming and advising and partnerships and something else, anything else transfer-centric. This is really a terrific time to share that with others in the field who are really looking to learn from you all. So we are going to learn today from some folks who did just that last year. I want to get started first, though, with just what is the NIST conference and why you would want to submit. So Emily, why don't you start us off with a little bit about what the conference is?
1: Absolutely. Hey, Heather. Thanks for having me on today. And hey, everybody from CSUCI. So glad to be in this conversation with you guys. So for people who aren't familiar, the NISTS annual conference is the place where you can go and gather with a few hundred other of your friends who care about transfer students just as much as you do. So our conference actually is going to be in its 20th year this year. So our big 2 anniversary, which is crazy to think about. Uh, but our conference has almost doubled in size over the last few years. So we're now butting up around a thousand people coming to this conference all to talk about transfer student success. So what that means for people coming to the conference is a few things. It means you're meeting with all of your people. You're, you're there with your transfer people. You don't have to explain your job or the importance of it to anybody because we all get it. We're all there together. Uh, but every single session is about transfer students, too. If you go to another conference, you might have a handful of sessions that talk about transfers. But here, every single session has something to do with transfers. And it's from a variety of perspectives. So NODA, Nakata, NACAC, conferences like that, very functional area specific. But at NISTS, you know, we believe that improving the transfer student experience takes everybody And so it's a team approach. And so we bring uh, practitioners from all areas, faculty, administrators, researchers, policymakers, we bring everybody to the table. So you get a little smattering of all kinds of good transfer stuff when you come to the conference. So it's a fun time. I think anyway, I'm kind of biased. You guys can chime in uh, and say what you think. But I I love being there. We talk about the buzz that's in the room when you walk in because we're all just excited to talk about transfer.
0: See, I know everybody who listens to this podcast knows how much I love conferences focused on transfer. And Emily, you just put it exactly into words why NISTS is one of my faves. It's just that energy, um, that inspiration that you always get from talking to others in the community, her doing this amazing work. So thank you for giving the spiel on what the conference is. And okay, so CSU Channel Islands team... You submitted a proposal last year. I'm curious, what inspired this, other than your obvious passion for transfer?
2: Yeah, thanks, Heather. I think that's a, a, good, uh, a good place to start. So I want to offer a little bit of context to kind of get you started on our why. So CSUCI is located in Southern California. We're in Camarillo, California, about 40 miles north of Los Angeles, um, in the neighboring county of Ventura County. So we're a beach city. Um, We're mixed with agricultural fields, you know, growing strawberries, growing lemons. Um, We're the only four-year public institution in the county. um, And we're the youngest CSU having opened in 2002. So the CSU system is one of two public university systems in California. And we are one of 23 campuses across the state. So, but what's unique about CI is when we first opened, um, our entire first inaugural class was composed only of transfer students. So since then, we continue to be a transfer majority institution. We're also a Hispanic serving institution, and as of fall of 2020, you know, 53% of our students are transfer students. Majority of CI students are first gen. Um, 61% are first gen, you know, 57% are Pell eligible, 55% are Latinx, um, and nearly 58% of our students are from historically underrepresented groups. So on a personal note, I'm a CSU CI alum and as a Pell-eligible Chicana from Oxnard, I'm proud to be a first-gen, non-traditional transfer student. and so a little, you know, zooming in a little bit more, the department that we work with is called the Student Academic Success and Equity Initiatives. And we're housed under Academic Affairs. So the goal of SASE, or another acronym for you, SASE, um, you know, we contribute to the advancing of you know, student-centered mission of CI by sustaining um, and sort of augmenting this university culture. Um, and we value inclusiveness and excellence and a dedication to you know, student academic success and educational equity. Um, you know, our initiatives are intentionally designed to support CI's goal of becoming, you know, this national model for serving historically and currently underrepresented students. Um, you know, we accomplish this by leveraging external support and, you know, some institutional commut- commitment to advancing, um, you know, innovative programming and promoting access to regional educational opportunities um, and ultimately impacting student success outcomes, right? Because we, we're really looking to aim at, um, you know, increasing equity in our educational attainment. So a little bit more about Sassy and just what we do, which will kind of lead into what our presentation and program was about, right? So we have multiple HSI Title V grant initiatives that we implement. Um, we aim to, you know, use high impact practices, right? So peer mentoring, peer mentoring is at the heart and soul of, of our programming here. Um, culturally relevant programming and practices and outreach efforts to ensure our students and their families are participating in experiences um, is also incredibly important to our mission. Um, we were able to, you know, continue to pivot to virtual programming this year to support that with our the Familia event, Noche de Familia. We held a, um, a posada. We have a Raza Bienvenida event at the beginning of every year, welcoming everyone to campus. Um, and ultimately, our, our you know, program is creating collaborative partnerships with regional community colleges. So we're, you know, we have three in Ventura County, but we also work outside of Ventura County as well um, to partner together to develop and expand and um, you know, enhance our, our comprehensive transfer programs and models that we have. So that's a little bit about the, the background of, um, of our why. Um, But Vito, do you have anything you want to add here a little bit about CSUCI and and the why in, in our submission process? So one thing that was really important to us as we were really considering
3: our application process and um, our presentation was um, one thing that really rose to the top for us was really representing the Latin ECCES experience within the transfer student experience. And so that was one thing that was a, a, a real source of inspiration to us was really elevating that Latin ECCES student experience. Um, and so as you, as you know, and you highlight Previously, I I recently started as the HSI director at Berkeley City College, or BCC, and Project Alice was part of my previous work at CSUCI. But one thing that hasn't changed, even in working with my colegas, Monica and Tommy here, is that the Latin ECCI student experience within the transfer student success is really central to our work. And of course, you know, historically underrepresented students, first-generation college students, those students that are the first in their families to go to college, to graduate from college, um, sometimes our students are all three, like I was um, myself in, in that when I was a transfer student. That focus oh, is something we wanted to elevate in our presentation. And that focus, even as we're continuing to coordinate and collaborate with the, my colegas, that hasn't changed. So even though I'm now at BCC and we're a very urban community college, we're just a couple of blocks away from UC Berkeley, um, and actually, we are a couple of blocks away from Berkeley High School, and we're this you know amazing hub of uh, students that literally descends on downtown Berkeley um, as part of the you know California East Bay area. Um, we're still we still have that same focus of helping our Latinx students' success framework happen within the transfer process, and so. Our focus even now in my current work, very similar to CSUCI, on really building that educational pipeline and really promoting transfer student success. And so even though now I'm on the other side, on the community college side, um, which, of course, was key with my own transfer experience and as you know, I was transferring, went through that process myself, um, I really feel like I've come home. Um, but, you know, still part of this larger effort to really build that pipeline for our transfer students. That, that has not gone away, definitely.
0: That was fantastic context. And I think our listeners are going to obviously hear what powerhouse women leaders you all are and the the work that you're doing for transfer. So thank you for that context. It was great. I'm really curious, as your team dove into this proposal process, what, what did you um, hope to get out? of the process? What, what are you wanting to learn from the process? When you were going into it, um, what, what was it that you really wanted to learn or got out of the process?
4: Well, thank you, Heather. I can go ahead and take that question. Um, so we had such a fabulous time. We absolutely loved being able to present, and as we were looking to propose, um, you know, we thought about like what what can we contribute? What can we share? And you know, it, oftentimes in in the work that we do, um, we don't we don't really shine on the great things that we're doing, and we wanted to be able to shine our work, but also give others um, the opportunity to learn about some of our programs that have been um, shown just great results. Um, and also, you know, when you uh, when you present, you have the, dev- the ability to develop on your professional development skills, and you build on those presentation skills, which in turn now makes us feel more comfortable about um, being able to talk in this podcast, where if we hadn't presented before, we might have stumbled a bit more. Um, but as we were as we were figuring out, like what do we what do we want to do? We were thinking about all the great work that we that we do. And Tommy mentioned a couple of those things. We have our culturally relevant programming, a lot of it which is done in collaboration with the with our Chicana um Chicanx, Latinx faculty staff association on campus, which you know has individuals all across campus, through all divisions. And so we have a deeply committed community. And so we were thinking about you know, what are some of the things that we can shine And, you know, what are, you know, how can we share this information? And so it was a very fun process for us just figuring out what do we want to do? How do we want to present it? And, uh, you know, we can talk a little bit more about some of those details in a moment. But for us, it it was a lot of fun. And we definitely had a great experience
0: out of it. Well, then let's get into the nitty gritty. I like that, Monica. So what was the process like and and what can we learn from this experience, right? So I know one of the key things about the conference is that folks are there really looking for practical takeaways, right? So I think um, when I've talked to Emily about the process and about um, my own presentations, she's always said the strongest proposals explain why the topic is important And uh, discuss what we all think the audience will get out of the conversation, right? You know, the nitty-gritty, the takeaways, Um, and and this is accomplished through you know learning goals. And there's a section for that, and it can also be kind of the broader application and the impact of 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 the of what you're you're talking about and reporting on and presenting on. And there's a section for that in the proposal. So how did you all do it? How did you decide on a topic? Um, how did you uh, tackle the process? Actually, what was your topic? We can start there.
4: So our topic was um, Shining on Project ALAS, so which stands for Aligning Learning and Academic Success. So this was a project that you know I got a invited to be able to participate um, something that the sassy program was able to provide funding for it was a camp all campus collaborative but also um, with our community college count um, partners so the the program that i was part of was an initiative to align um, the academic advisors and community college counselors to create that collaboration that was severely lacking um, oftentimes you know our community college counselors have the relationship with admissions counselors, but they really We don't interact that much with the academic advisors and so there was a lot of disconnect as far as requirements that students might need and articulation agreements and just other things so they created a space through the program to be able to build on that collaboration to be able to identify all of the institutional barriers the things that when students came on our campus and then went back and told the community counselors like oh I'm, i'm struggling with this i'm struggling with that so we were able to create a space to have those conversations, um, be able to work with the incongruent articulation agreements that we had across some of our majors. And so part of it was the advisor and counselor component, but there was also a component that worked with the faculty. The faculty were reaching out to faculty from the community colleges. And we're were really looking at the articulation agreements and how better they can prepare their curriculum to get our students here started just having a better start in in their first semester um so it really you know and and as was noted earlier by Tommy a lot of what sassy does and is really strong at is the peer mentorship so that was such a successful piece so we were able to in the very short amount of time in the presentation we did such an amazing job in being able to quickly explain like we we had like at least three different programs that we reviewed and so i'm i'm really proud of us because we were we were able to do that plus be able to save time to allow for an, an interactive session as well
0: I'm so glad you mentioned time because time is something I always run out of. I'm seeing Emily's face on the screen, and I know she knows that, so we can talk about strategies for that.
2: Yeah, I wanted to sort of add to what Monica was saying here. You, you posed the question, you know, how did we we come up with um, the learning goals and and putting together the, the the content? And you know, it's a it's a Sassy standard of practice that we we lead with our desired outcomes. We are huge fans of the focused conversation method and apply it to all of our programming and train all of our mentors to use it as well. So that was the first place we started. And we, we found, um, you know, I'll let Vero talk about it a bit too. She took the lead in the drafting of the submission, but um, it, it, if I'm understanding correctly here, we, we, it was a very nonlinear process in, in the submission and the drafting as we started with our desired outcomes and then we moved into the second pieces of the, you know, the engagement pieces. So the outline and engagement strategies. So A, what do we want folks to walk away with? What were the major takeaways? And I'll even hand it to Veto here a little bit um, to talk a little bit more about ALAS and what are, you know, takeaways we wanted for people to have. But that's always where we start. Where do we, what do we want you to take from what we're saying? Because it is crunch time. It's, it was a 45 minute presentation that covered a five-year grant that served thousands of students that... Uh, dealt with administration and interinstitutional departments, you know, um, partnerships and, and peer mentoring and students going into classrooms. It was a huge program. So how do we encapsulate that into 45 minutes? And I think a little bit later, we can get into some more details about how we did that. Um, but I want to hand it to Veto here to talk a little bit more about the project itself and how she, you know, um, started the drafting process to to match what our project actually was.
1: Yeah, and if I could chime in just before, because I want to just say... You guys are saying so many key words that I hope our listeners are able to pick up on. So first, they've been hearing you talk about how you had all of these amazing programs and like, how do you decide which one you're going to actually present on? So that's a piece of this sort of brainstorming. And you guys had a lot to pull from. So obviously, the, the particular population you were working with was incredibly important. But then Tommy, too, you were just saying, you know, we started with we're already leading with our own sort of Um, learning goals in all of our programming development. So we started our proposal there. And I don't know if that's a typical practice for, for some of our practitioners, but it is exactly where you should begin your proposal process. It's not what do I want to talk about? It's what do I want people to be able to do after they leave the session. So I love hearing that that's exactly where you started. You went from the what to the so what, which is just a key part of a really powerful presentation. So that I'm so glad you're able to comment on that. So Vero, I'll let you take it from there, but I just wanted to chime yeah, in. Yeah. And
3: I think just to add to that, I mean, I have one key tip I would give to anyone that's considering applying, we, you know, don't fill it out in order. The application has a certain order that doesn't mean that's how you have to complete it. And so that's definitely we, when we were putting this together, there we started with the learning outcomes. Um, our big question was zooming out. What do we want folks to walk away with? Um, what what, what tools should they have? What um, learning strategies, initiatives, elements should they be looking at to consider for their own work? And so th- those were really some of the driving questions when we were establishing our learning outcomes. Um, and then the rest kind of flowed from there, um, you know, but then one other plug I do want to make or one other tip is we really considered the engagement piece that was a huge element for us we wanted our audience to interact with our content we didn't want this to be another another presentation where Um, all the information was one-sided. We really wanted them to receive the information and then almost play with it a little bit, Um, consider it, reflect on it, integrate it into their own work. And so um, this is really where I would say as a tip, like consider how your audience will engage with your content. So not only consider what elements of your project you want your audience to really look at, and it may not be everything, it may just be certain key points, But then take it to the next step where you will want to consider how will your audience actually engage with your content? Um, What takeaways should they leave with? And then I think the biggest driving question for us was how can they use this information at their own campus? What does this mean for me in my life? How can I help build this out? How can there be transfer student success in my area, in my work? Um, How do I contribute to this work? Um, Definitely taking it from a very passive type of presentation to really making it as active and engaging as as possible. And so I I think we could probably talk about this element um, probably for a very long time um, just because the engagement piece was a huge part of what we wanted our, our presentation to be. And then, of course, our challenge was how do we make it engaging and quick? And quick, but we, we were able to get there. I will say we used a word cloud, it was great. Um, we had breakout sessions. I think just really weighing out how to present your content and then, and then build in that engagement element.
1: Yeah, I think when you guys were first thinking about your session, you were, we didn't know yet that we were going virtual. Like we were still trying to figure out what the conference was going to be able to do because you have to submit so many months ahead of time. So I know we got so many emails from folks like, do we know yet? Is it going to be in person? Will it be virtual? How do I write this? So you guys are talking about you were sort of pivoting just even in the moment, planning ahead. Is it going to be in person? or is it gonna be virtual and how do we engage either an in-person audience or a virtual audience? So you guys really nailed that with all the things that you were thinking about and putting into your proposal. This year we have a little bit of an advantage because we already know, I mean, fingers crossed, we don't know yet what version of COVID we'll be dealing with in February, but fingers crossed, we're gonna have the in-person part or the virtual part. So presenters do have an opportunity to choose and plan ahead which one they're gonna be able to do. If you've got the funds to travel, then you can select, yeah, I'll present in person and write your proposal that way. If you don't have the funds to travel, then you've got that virtual option and you can be thinking about these same kinds of engagement things that uh, Vera was talking about. So yeah, I love that learning goals and engagement and broader applicability, thinking about who is our audience gonna be and what are they gonna take out of this conversation? There's just such great things to take into your proposal planning process. So I really appreciate you talking about those things.
0: Okay, I hope y'all were taking notes because you just got some knowledge dropped <laughs> in the last uh, seven minutes. This was amazing of really details of and tips on how you can um, how you can really work with your team to create a terrific proposal um, by some trailblazers, basically, <laughs> folks who had to do it in the moment, as Emily was just saying, um, and weren't sure what they were walking into, which is kind of where we are right now, right, in the state of the world. So um, I, I love that. I want to I ask one, quest- one more question about the writing of the proposal, because this is sort of a personal question. I always worried um, about the academic writing. So if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know I'm I'm not, like, I don't have the lingo down, right? I didn't, I don't, I don't sound like an academic necessarily. And when I was writing these things, I wondered, um, is it going to, does it matter if I, you know, if I have this polished academic writing for this, for this proposal, does it have to sound like a journal submission? And what I really learned is that unless that's already a strength that you have, which is fantastic, wonderful, go for it. But really, as long as you're personable and casual and your tone is is um, uh, direct and straightforward and you're doing all of the things that Vero and Monica and Tommy have just kind of explained and broken down for you, it's fine. As long as the writing is clear and organized and fairly grammatically correct, you're good to go. You just really want the organization of it to seem really direct and focused on those learning outcomes, exactly what you've just heard. So I really wanted to talk to you all and just Hear how you did this. What was the writing, the actual writing process?
3: That's a great question because we do live in that world. We we, we live in literature reviews and best practices and data collection. Um, and it's definitely a component to the work that we do. Like, don't be intimidated by the process. The application isn't intended to, um, to be challenging or overly cumbersome. I will say, you know, the learning outcomes, um, the abstract, the impact statement, utilizing key data, those and the actual application itself, those became our foundational points when we were then later selected to present. Those, I mean, we used, all of those elements again and again and again. So we came back to our learning outcomes. W- when we were done with the presentation, we came back and looked at our learning outcomes and say, does this match? Does is there alignment here? Are we hitting all these points? And so I will say, I think include data. Include. I mean, we in this grant, we we knew we served over ten thousand students. We knew that um, a, you know over seven hundred of them had come from the regional colleges that we were targeting. Those were key points we wanted to. To be sure to to, to raise and, and address Tommy mentioned this earlier CSUCI is a transfer majority campus and we wanted to make sure that folks knew that um, our students at CSUCI were definitely um, transfer' were a transfer heavy institution and so I will say I think that part um, we wanted to make sure we were using the, those data elements to really paint the picture that we wanted. So don't be intimidated by the data, the literature review as much as you know make sure that you're distilling out really what you want to convey and highlighting the, the, those key points, uh, those data points that, that would really kind of help to build a context and, and kind of paint the picture for folks that they really understand how they can measure themselves, um, what, what they're doing at their campuses.
2: Something that you had spoken about, Vero, when we were talking about the writing process is you mentioned there's a word count to the application, so you were right up to the edge with some of the points with the word count, so succinctness and tightness had to be you know, um, observed in, in, in the word count of what you wanted to convey. The other important thing when
4: writing your proposal is if you can be collaborative. So I think like with us, like I work in academic advising and in student affairs. So I think that was another thing that also like if I'm if I'm someone who's looking at all the different presentations that are going on and I'm like, okay, who's doing it? How applicable is this to my role? So I think it also helps if you are able to work with someone on your campus because we're all working together and helping our transfer students. So if you are able to show how you're working together. I think that will also set you aside from other proposals.
1: In Indeed it does, because it is a little weird. I can tell you from the reviewer side of things, we get a lot of proposals and it is a little You wonder if someone's talking about a partnership in their proposal, but those people weren't invited to participate in the proposal. It does make you wonder. Now, certainly in some cases, travel could have been a concern. And so maybe only one side of the partnership could talk. But the virtual format, what I love about that is that it sort of eliminates that barrier. So if you are working with campus partners to deliver your program, we absolutely want to hear from all sides if you can. I think that's a wonderful point, Monica. Thanks for bringing that up.
0: Um, so, uh, we're going to wrap up here in a few and kind of run through a few tidbits of knowledge from Emily, but, um, any other last comments before we, we, uh, we do that our last tips for the day?
2: Um, I just want to add something here, the this, this sharing of knowledge, you know, this piece, we we produced a, an, a Project US Impact Statement report um, that talks all about the project, that in, in the way we serve transfer students in the region for five years, um, and we'd love to share that with you and with the the listeners as well, so that they can see the work and um, understand a bit about what we do and and understand what our presentation was about. If you'd like to have that, we'd love to share it.
0: Heck yeah. We'll put that for sure. We'll link it in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing.
3: Just one last comment. I would say for anyone considering applying, which you all should apply for, you know, either you should definitely go to the conference, definitely um, put in your proposals. Also, if you get stuck in any way, reach out to Emily, reach out to the NISTS staff. They're amazing. If you have any questions about the deadlines, about the process, um, they were so helpful for for us as we were putting this together from start to finish. The resources, um, just you know, so much support along the entire way. So just know that going into this, um, that there's a whole community wanting uh, you to succeed, and so definitely reach out to the NISTS team. They're amazing.
0: Yes, they are. And that really, uh, we want to hear from you now, Emily. We have a bunch of insider tips for you um, as we wrap up this episode. Thank you all for 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 really painting the picture and giving us a real life example of how a team can process all of this and create a really stellar, incredible presentation and have a great presentation and experience at NISTS. Um, as a result. But Emily, we need to hear from you about the inside scoop, uh, since you are the expert. Uh, I know that one of the things is to use the checklist and to use the rubric for real. It aligns with the, the actual review process. So I'm going to link those in the show notes. And then, um, I want to hear from you on a couple of other things that might not have been mentioned, um, today. And I have a question from you too from the transformation audience when you're ready.
1: Yes, that sounds great. So we've referenced this thing throughout our conversation called the checklist. And so if you have visited our website, it's nists.org slash call for proposals. We have a lot of information there to try to help guide you through this process because we don't want it to be scary. Hopefully no one's listening to this conversation and being like, oh my gosh, I am no CSUCI. I can't submit a session because yes, you can. And we want you to. Um, The whole point of attending the conference is to do exactly what we've been talking about. And that is share your information with other people out there who are doing the same kind of work. So on the Call for Proposals webpage, there is something called the Proposal Checklist. And I'm not even lying when I tell you I had like this Word document open and the actual application portal open side by side on my screen. And I was like, okay, what do they have to put in the application? Let me put it on this worksheet. And I tried to be very sort of very specific, very linear, very verbatim about every piece of information Information you were going to need to put in the online application so that you had it all right there and you could just be a real quick copy-paste job from where you were writing with your colleagues just to pop it into the online portal. So the checklist is designed to help guide guide your application just point by point by point. And we've mentioned a couple of times word counts. There are word counts because we do read every single one of these things. So we have to limit the word count just a little. Uh, but I would say use the word count. You heard heard the CSUI team mentioned that they used the word count. They, they literally butted up against the word count. And a lot of proposals do that. And that's perfect because you want to paint a really complete picture. We can only judge what's on the application. So skimping on your word count probably is not what you want to do because then we have we're just left with questions we're like well what do you mean now now that is to say maybe you're an expert at being succinct as they've mentioned to you numerous times you need to be succinct if you can do it in a few words great but more often than not you need to maximize that word count tell us everything you can as succinctly as you can in the application so that our reviewers, we have lots of people help us review this and sort of rate and review and provide some comments on it. They just need to know, and that's your opportunity, put it on the application. So the checklist is on the website. The rubric that our reviewers use is on the website so you can see what they're asked to actually evaluate on. We've got a sample topic list. If you're not really sure what kinds of things we might be looking for at the conference, the sample topic list is there. Um, All of the session themes are there. So read through that, and as they said, certainly Reach out to us if you have any questions or concerns. Um, but but I, I'm with Heather. I hate writing because I don't want to sound dumb, and it's really time consuming. And so I've I'm always nervous to submit proposals for conferences. It takes me a really long time to put it together, but I can promise you no one's going to think you're dumb. No one's going to think you're crazy. No one's going to think your program is terrible. So we want you to submit this because we won't know what amazing things are happening across the country unless you guys tell us in these proposals. So go for it. We want to hear from you uh, and use that word count as best you can.
0: Yes, we want to be inspired by you. You have to submit, please. So if we haven't convinced you, um, here's a few more reasons. So Emily, a question I get a lot is what are topics of interest, right? What, what is new? What is innovative? How do you even know what a, a an idea is that others haven't heard of a million times? Is there a a trick to that? Are there specific topics that actually are of the moment that we're kind of thinking about right now or don't see a lot of submissions about?
1: So I love this question so much, and it is really, really hard to know what is innovative. But I can tell you that most things do have a piece of innovation in them. So uh, obviously the CSCUI team talked about peer mentoring, in their program. Now, peer mentoring on its face, probably not innovative. We've got a ton of that going on across the country, but they put their own flavor on it. And that's what made that piece innovative. So there is probably something going on on your campus that others might be working on, but that you've got a unique spin. And that's the piece that's going to make it really, really cool. So don't don't hesitate to submit because you're afraid that others are maybe already doing this kinds of thing. They they may well be, but you're doing something special about it, I can almost guarantee. And that's the piece that we want to hear from you about. But in general, there are some topics that we're particularly interested in this year. Um, we need to hear more from community colleges. Um, we know that they often have a smaller travel budget, smaller professional development budget, and we totally get that. So if you can travel, we're going to be in St. Louis. Join us there. But if you can't, we hope you can join us online in the virtual conference because people need to hear from your side of the story for sure. So anything from community colleges. Uh, we're also really interested in the, in the LGBTQ plus uh, transfer experience, there's not a lot of literature out there. There's not a lot of information out there about students uh, with, who have those social identities and they're moving through the transfer process. So we want to hear more from there. Hopefully somebody's doing some research out there on that. We want to hear from you. Um, any, Also, any POC, we, we, this is now. We need those stories. So that is super important to us. Um, and transfer recruitment continues to be a really, really, really hot topic. Uh, So if you're doing cool stuff with recruiting your transfer students and getting them integrated into the environment and onboarded, we want to hear about those creative approaches for sure.
0: Yeah, we've been hearing a lot of the same stuff on Transfer Nation, particularly the community college perspective. Um, also, you know, transfer advisory boards, partnerships. And this kind of leads to a point I really want to pull out that was mentioned um, somewhere in our conversation. If you're doing a presentation on an inter-institutional partnership or uh, um, some sort of co- collaboration, Invite the colleague from those areas to join you, uh, in presenting. Cause it is always a little weird when it's just one sided. We want to hear about the whole process from, we talked about collaboration a lot here. And I know we do that in our jobs. And the reason we're successful at transfer is usually because we're collaborating with departments and divisions and community colleges and four year institutions. So, um, definitely, uh, try to collaborate and do and invite your colleagues and your partners to, to join you. Emily, do you want to talk at at all about why proposals might be denied?
1: Yeah, so we are of the mindset, the more the merrier. And we want to give as many people a platform to share their work as possible But we do have some limitations, as you can imagine. Certainly the hotel space gives us some very literal space constraints in terms of the number of sessions that we can accept. So there are instances where someone will submit a proposal and we need to reassign them to a different type of proposal. And there's lots of reasons why that might happen. But space constraints are one of the first. Uh, The other is maybe this is the year we get a bazillion and one proposals on the exact same topic. And so we have to get creative with how we share all of that information. So we're very conscious and careful uh, to, to, to lift up as many of those presentations as possible. Sometimes we combine people into panel presentations. Sometimes we switch people to uh, poster presentations. So it just sort of depends. But I will be really honest and say a lot of it has to do with the scores. Uh, so it's the topic, but also the score. So We don't want you to be afraid to submit your proposal, but do submit the best work you can. Have colleagues read with you and ask you questions about your proposal. Have them read it and say, I don't know if this made a lot of sense so that you can go back and really beef that part up. Um, But don't be offended if if you're if you're denied or asked to switch. It's not it's usually not at all anything except space uh, and topic sort of overload. And so we just had to be careful about how we spread that stuff out across the days of the conference. But this year, hopefully we'll have plenty of space since we're doing the in-person and the virtual. So so we want to hear all of your ideas, everybody.
0: Yay. So submit. The deadline is Tuesday, August 31st at 1159 PM Pacific Standard Time for our West Coasters. Uh, So um, you can find everything that we're talking about on the NISTS website at www.nists.org slash call for proposals. There'll be the checklist that we've talked about that really breaks down all the elements and the parts of the um, uh, proposal that you're going to need and to submit. It has the eval rubric so that you're going to get to see exactly how reviewers score and what they're looking for as they're reading your proposal, and there's a sample of topics, and there's so much more. They even have links to um, creative ways to engage the audience, um, which we talked about a lot today as well. So that is it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We can't wait to see you at the NISTS 2022, and we can't wait to read your proposals. Thank you for being with us today. New episodes of Transformation Talks will drop on Mondays each week. Find the podcast on Spotify, Apple
3: Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And when you're not listening, keep that transfer-centric conversation going with us on Instagram at We Are Transformation, Twitter, at TransferPride, and join the Transformation Facebook group. Talk soon.